Today's scripture reading comes from Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And this is God's word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Josh. I have uh, the privilege and honor to serve as one of the pastors here at Metro. And as I look around this room, I see many new faces, and uh, it brings me such great joy to be able to worship with everybody here today. And uh, if you are new, I do encourage you to stick around for a little bit longer, maybe a few weeks or so, to get to know our church, get to know our community, get to know our mission a little bit better, and allow us to get to know you. And so we've been going through a sermon series titled Pastoral Prayers, where each of our pastors have shared from a specific text that's been pressed on their hearts over the past year. And so I thought it would be good for us uh, to look through Jonah chapter 4, where we see God's mercy, love, care, kindness, and compassion in unthinkable ways. So briefly, I want to give an overview on the first three chapters of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, we see God calls Jonah, a prophet of God, to go to Nineveh and preach against their wicked ways. But what does Jonah do? He flees. He flees east towards Tarshish, which is in the complete opposite direction of where he was called to go. And and here we see Jonah not just running away from discomfort, away from displeasure, away from the city that he hated, but we see Jonah running towards comfort. We, We see Jonah running towards what he thought would be a safe place that would bring him protection and security. And at the end of chapter one, we see Jonah fleeing and in a storm that God appointed while Jonah was in the sea, the sailors that Jonah was traveling with threw Jonah overboard into the sea to calm the storm. And Jonah is swallowed by a fish. 
And in Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah is in the belly of this fish and he prays to God. And there in the belly of the fish, he realizes God's grace in his life. The fish protected Jonah. It saved Jonah. It brought Jonah security from the storm and from the sea. And there Jonah prays. Jonah realizes that it's about God's grace and not good works, clearly. Jonah wasn't a faithful prophet. He was fleeing from the very thing God called him to do. And in Jonah chapter 3, we see Jonah respond to God's grace by going to Nineveh to, to preach to the city but not love the city. To preach the message of God but not show compassion to the people of Nineveh. And so God wanted Jonah to love the city the way that he did. But what does Jonah do? He preaches at them with judgment, with wrath, and with anger. And so today we're going to look at Jonah chapter 4. And we're going to see how God addresses Jonah in his anger, in his darkest place. Friends, if we're being completely honest with ourselves over this past year, I think one thing that we can all agree on is that we're very much not in control over our lives. And all the different circumstances that we've experienced over this past year, we've suffered great disappointment and we've been led to great anger. But here in Jonah chapter 4, God teaches us three things. He teaches us the three C's of anger, the consequence of anger, the cause of anger, and the cure for our anger. The consequence, the cause, and the cure. Our first point, the consequences of our anger. In Jonah chapter 4, we we see a dialogue between Jonah and God. In the first verse, we see that Jonah is displeased and he's angry. He's furious, and in a sense, he has every right to be. The Ninevites were evil and they were wicked, and they were also the enemies of Israel, God's people. Jonah's country. Jonah hated the Ninevites. He despised them. He detested the Ninevites. He stood proud in his identity as a Jew, and his love for his country trumped his love for God. And so he's angry. And so he prays to God. He says, do you see? This is why I fled my home, because I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew you would be gracious to these people. But why these people, not these people? These people are wicked. These people are evil. They don't deserve your grace and your compassion and your mercy. All throughout the book of Jonah, we see that God communicates with Jonah. He calls Jonah, gives Jonah a mission. He provides for Jonah, directs Jonah, protects Jonah. And here in chapter 4, we see God question Jonah and reason with Jonah. And God doesn't question Jonah to better understand Jonah, but he's questioning Jonah so Jonah can better understand God's grace. Jonah's anger led him to ignore what God was saying and doing in his life and the life of others. Look at Jonah throughout this entire story. Jonah was a prophet, so that means he was a religious man. In modern days, he would be a churchgoer and very much a leader within the church. Jonah, even though he was a prophet, even though he knew who God was, even though he was in a relationship with God, Jonah felt distant from God. 
He felt alone and isolated from God. What are the consequences to our anger? Anger leads us to become hardened and callous and numb. The literal translation for the word anger in the first verse in Jonah chapter 4 means to be hot or to be burning or to be kindled with a flame. The text is saying that Jonah was hot and was burning with anger and he was filled with fury. When we touch a hot stove or when we get burned, what happens? We feel extreme pain on on our skin and you're in an extreme amount of pain and all you can focus on is the pain that you're experiencing in that moment. And your nerves get damaged, so after a while, what happens? That surface and that skin that you just burned becomes numb. You lose sensitivity in that area. Similarly, Jonah's anger causes him to be numb. It causes him to be numb to God, numb to the Ninevites, numb to everything that was happening around him. Jonah didn't have a sense of what God was doing in his life and the life of others. And like a flame and like a fire, Jonah was consumed by his anger. Anger takes all of you. He was unable to see the good that God was doing in his life and the life of the Ninevites. And what, did, what ended up happening to Jonah? Jonah was judgmental. He became the judge, the jury, and the persecutor of the Ninevites. Do you see what anger does in our lives? Anger doesn't allow us to see others and people that have been placed in our lives as people. In fact, When we're angry, when we're bitter, when we're disappointed with how our lives ended up, look at our relationships. We focus on all the bad and the evil in people. We don't see anything good. We become disgruntled and we grumble and we complain. And we're discontent and disappointed, not only with how our lives ended up, but also the relationships that we're in. Look at Jonah all throughout the story. In chapter 1, he, he flees his home. He runs away, and he's alone. Then he's in the middle of a storm in the sea, and the sailors toss him overboard. Then he goes to Nineveh, and instead of loving the city, he just preaches judgment to them. And here in chapter 4, we see Jonah leave the city, and he sits on top of a hill watching to see what would happen to the, to the Ninevites. We see Jonah is alone. Jonah is isolated. Even here in chapter 4, where God is very much present with Jonah, questioning Jonah, reasoning with Jonah, God does not have a sense of his presence in his life. Or excuse me, Jonah does not have a sense of the presence of God in his life. Jonah is numb and he's blind and he's lost all sensitivity to how God was working in his life and the life of others. Our anger leads us to pass judgment all around us. The relationships we have in our houses, our family, our friends. We all have that one friend that we're still friends with just because we've known them for a long time. And we know them better than the back of our hand. And we can count all their character defects, all the things wrong with them. And yet, when we're with them, we're not happy, we're not joyous. We're not caring for them. We're not loving them. 
in our workplace, we can find that one person who's completely incompetent at their job. And instead of showing love, kindness, compassion, and care towards them, what do we do? We pass judgment. We persecute their character. Our anger leads us to pass judgment on others and to be alone and isolated from others. We don't bring people in, we push people out. There's extreme consequences to our anger. The consequences of our anger slowly corrode all areas of our life. Our anger, our frustration in our lives consumes us and leads us to be isolated and alone. Our anger causes a cosmic disruption in our lives and in the lives of others, and it causes a cosmic disappointment in our hearts. What's the cause of anger? What's the cause and the root of our anger, of our disappointment, of our bitterness, of our frustration? When we look at this past year, when we look at the the entirety of our lives, we often think that our anger is caused by our circumstances. The things happening to us in our life or the things not happening to us is causing us to be angry. We get angry because our hopes, our desires, our expectations aren't being met. When things aren't going our way, we're distraught. And depending on how heavily we're invested in this particular thing, we're disappointed and we're tormented and we're going through suffering. There's a frustration in our lives that sits deep within our hearts and our souls when things don't go the way that we want them to. But why? Is it simply because our hopes and our desires and our expectations aren't being met in any given moment? Here in Jonah 4, nothing is going Jonah's way. He desires for the Ninevites to be overthrown and destroyed. He doesn't want God to show this great city any sort of mercy or compassion. And because the things that Jonah wanted isn't happening, he's angry. He's furious. Your anger is not just about your desires and your hopes and your expectations not being met, but it's about having the wrong desires. It's about having the wrong hopes. It's about having the wrong expectations. In Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, a text that a lot of us have heard at some point in our lives, what do we see that happening? We see a serpent go to Eve, and he says to Eve, he says, did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat from that tree? And in that moment, Eve distrusted God, her creator. Eve didn't trust in God or trust that God was for her good. At the root of our anger, of our disappointment, of our frustration is our distrust in God and that God is actually for our good. Why was Jonah displeased and angry? Ironically, when Nineveh turns, from, turns away from their evil, turns away from their wicked ways, the text actually says that Jonah, Jonah turned to evil. 
We see that Jonah turns to evil in his anger, in his fury, in his kindled flame within. Jonah just witnessed the amazing grace and mercy and compassion of God poured onto the city of Nineveh. And yet he's discontent. He is not happy. He is not joyous. Why? Because for Jonah... The Ninevites deserve punishment. They deserve judgment. They deserve the wrath and the anger of God. For Jonah, Jonah is wrestling with the fact and the truth that on one hand, God is incredibly merciful and compassionate, and yet just and righteous. How do we reconcile with that truth about who God is? If God truly is just, if he truly is righteous, then God can't let one single sin unpunished and unturned. And if the Ninevites are wicked and if the Ninevites are evil, then they should be punished. The root of our anger comes from the misalignment of our desires and God's desires. Our anger is caused by the distrust and the disconnect between our desires and what God desires for us. Jonah says it himself. He quotes Exodus 34. He says, you are a God that is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. But Jonah was not gracious. He was not compassionate. He wasn't slow to anger and he was not abounding in love. Jonah was not aligned to what God had desired for him. Anger occurs when the love of our hearts no longer satisfies us and meets our needs. Jonah wasn't satisfied. He wasn't filled with God's love. Jonah loved things greater than God. Jonah loved his nation and his country and his religiosity more than the God that he was serving. His identity wasn't in God. His identity was in his nation. And so he's self-righteous and judgmental. But what does God do in Jonah's anger? God doesn't rebuke Jonah. God doesn't punish Jonah. God doesn't pour his wrath onto Jonah. He meets Jonah in his anger. What do we see happening here in chapter 4? God's dialoguing with Jonah. He's asking him questions. He's hearing out his anger and his displeasure. Friends, over this past year, whether it's the pandemic that we've experienced as a worldwide, whether it's the injustices we have seen in our country, whether it's personal injustices that you have experienced in your workplace, in your schools, in your families, in your homes, Know that God hears you. Know that God hears every word that you speak, every thought that you think, every feeling that you have in your heart. He doesn't leave you in that place and ignore you and desert you, but he meets you where you are in the darkest places of your life. Finally, what's the cure of our anger or for our anger? What's the cure for the disappointment and the frustrations and the discontent of our lives? 
How does God address Jonah's anger here in this text? How does God cure Jonah of his anger? We see that throughout the entire chapter, God is dialoguing with Jonah. He's speaking with Jonah. He's questioning Jonah. And God is asking questions to Jonah so that Jonah would understand and realize the grace that's been afforded to him. And while Jonah settled outside of the city and sat in the scorching heat, God delivered Jonah from his discomfort and torment and his suffering. How? By raising up a young plant, by raising up a vine that provided shade and a covering for Jonah from the scorching heat. And God says to Jonah, Jonah, I gave you this comfort. I provided this shade for you. I provided this comfort for you. Jonah, you didn't work for this vine. You didn't tend to this vine. You didn't raise this vine up. You just received it. And when Jonah receives this comfort, Jonah was thrilled. Jonah was joyous. Finally, something good was happening for Jonah. His luck was starting to turn around. And as Jonah is in his moment of celebration and joy, God appoints a worm to eat the plant. And the plant withers away. And now Jonah lost his comfort. He lost his protection from the heat. He lost his sense of security. God once again asked Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry about this plant? You didn't work for this plant. You didn't tend to this plant. You didn't raise this plant up. And yet you show pity towards this plan. Jonah responds to God by saying, I am right. I am right to be angry, angry enough to die. What Jonah was saying here is, I'm suffering the ultimate injustice, the ultimate offense. It's so bad that I want to die. Jonah was tormented. Jonah was in despair. Jonah was suffering so badly that he no longer wanted to live. But how does God respond to Jonah's anger? The book concludes with God responding to Jonah. And he says, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who do not know their right from their left. And has many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned and have pity about that great city? Wow. That momentary deliverance that God provided for Jonah by raising up a young plant to give him shade and to bring him a moment of comfort and protection points to the greater deliverance that we have in Jesus. Jonah went into the city and preached judgment and anger and wrath to the Ninevites. Jesus went into the city to do what? To show his love, his mercy, his grace, his compassion. Jonah left the city to see God's wrath and anger poured onto Nineveh. Jesus was carried out of the city. And he wasn't given a vine or a plant for comfort. He was given a tree. 
And he was nailed to the cross, losing his comfort, taking on the full anger and wrath of God so that you would be comforted by his redeeming love. Losing his comfort and taking on that full anger and wrath. Before Jesus went onto that cross, what does he do? As he's getting carried out onto that hill on Calvary, he looks at the very people who is putting him on that cross and he prays for them. He intercedes for them. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These people can't tell their right from their left. And Jesus doesn't pour out anger towards them, even though he had every right to. Jesus, as God himself, was owed obedience and lived out perfect obedience, yet he died the death of a sinner for you and for me. How do we reconcile that God is gracious and merciful at the same time, righteous and just? We look at the cross. We see that God is righteous and just because he could not let a single sin go. He could not let a single sin unpunished. But at the same time, we see that God is gracious and merciful because he took on that punishment himself. How are we cured of our anger, of our disappointment, of our frustration? When we trust in Christ, knowing that he took on the full anger and wrath of God in our place, we are able to find true peace, knowing that Christ lost all of his peace. We are able to find true comfort, knowing that Christ lost all of his comfort on the cross. Friends, as we transition into a new season of life here at our church, as many of you look to build a community and know what it means to be on mission. My hope and my prayer is that you would know that God does not just call you to go on mission without having a relationship with you first. Jonah wasn't just called on his own to be by himself, to preach to Nineveh, to preach judgment and wrath to the city. He was called to love the city. Why does God love cities? Because there are people in them, and God loves people. He's abounding in love. And so, friends, as we continue on in this new season of life together, my hope and my prayer is that you would know that God meets you in the darkest places of your life and doesn't just leave you there. He changes and he transforms you for your good and his glory. If we view Jesus as only Lord and the authority over our life, we'll continue to work for his grace. We'll continue to be obedient and work hard to receive compassion and mercy. But if we only look at Jesus as a savior and not Lord, we'll never change. We'll treat all the mistakes in our life as a mulligan and think, I can just do it again and have a do-over. Friends, know that Jesus is both Lord and Savior. That's what makes him gracious and compassionate and righteous and just.
Let's pray.